Hallelujah. of God today. Enjoy Thanksgiving and uh, good food, good times, good fellowship. We get to finish out the weekend. Come on, in His presence. Amen. Amen. Always, always good to be here. Love, love your pastors and pastors Paul and Ginger and pastors Greg and Angel and love what they're doing. Love what Joel and Serena are doing with the youth and praise and worship and Y'all got a great leadership team. Come on, give them a hand clap. Y'all got great leaders here. And there's always room for more. Can I get, right? Serena up here saying yes. She's about, she about to go off. It's so, you know, when it comes to leadership and servanthood, uh, a lot of times we overthink it. You know, we always say, well, I'll, I'll pray about it. That, that's something that never needs praying about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never got to pray about leading or serving. Uh, you just got to find a need and jump in. Right. Yeah, we try to get super spiritual when it comes to serving and leading. People say, well, I gotta, I'll pray about it. Most of the time, that just means no. <laughs> or, <clears throat> my favorite is when people uh, all of a sudden become experts on the anointing. You know, they'll say, well, you know, that's not my anointing. <laughs> and that's just code for I don't like them. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to get off that whole thing right there. I'm going to get in trouble. I got my wife here with me today. Give Miss Laura a clap. She's had the privilege and honor of being married to me for 36 years. Are y'all buying any of that? Y'all y'all aren't buying any of that? And uh, I'm real thrilled to have uh, my brother and Eric and his daughter, Erica, and her husband just celebrated over a little over a year of marriage, and they're married real good because I did the ceremony. And uh, Magentry is here. Come on, give them a hand clap. <clears throat> you know, the Bakers, man, there's just, there's just three of us. It's me, Eric, and my son, Keegan. And so, man, we, we got to do something, man. We got to get some, we gotta, Keegan's going to have to come through. And uh, get some have a, have a slew of boys so we can get this Baker name uh, back going. And so glad they're here. Um, hey, I just wanted to give you a quick little update. You know, this is a this is one of the wonderful churches that support us and partner with us and everything we do around the world. And we just got back from uh, Bulgaria, and God's really given us that nation as an assignment. We have so much favor there. I've preached all over that nation. I'm in relationship with pastors all over that nation. And God's given us a vision and a plan to just really uh, network all those pastors together to do something amazing. The unity there is uh, through the charts. And, and so, but we were just there uh, about a month ago and went over there for a week early and did a, a, an incredible conference there in Plovdiv, uh, Bulgaria. We had some uh, ministers there from the Toronto Blessing and the Sunderland Revival and uh, an incredible man of God from a gateway church there. And we did this amazing conference and it was really an honor to minister there. And then all the ministry team along with Miss Laura flew in. 
And we brought in 25 pastors from all over Bulgaria. Uh, they drove from two, four, six hours all over. And we brought them into Bonsko, Bulgaria, up in the mountains. A beautiful, beautiful, turn to somebody and say beautiful. Uh, beautiful hotel there in Bonsko. And three days, two nights, and they, draw, they, they drove in. And for, for three days, man, we just poured into them and uh, ministered to them, spent time with them, built relationships with them, prophesied over them, took communion together. Uh, they spent time with one another and built those relationships. The food was uh, through the charts. I mean, that's not really off the charts. And five-star food, uh, Turkish shelf, chefs. I mean, it was like a cruise ship on steroids. Uh, it, was, it, it was amazing. And here's the good part. It didn't cost those pastors anything. We covered all the expenses. It was about a $10,000 seed that we sowed into those pastors. And uh, we've already got three scheduled for next year. Two in Bulgaria. There'll be one in Bulgaria in April, one in Bulgaria in September. But we're also um, going to be doing one in the country of Romania. And so we're just excited about it. And doors, we've got some possible doors opening up in Austria. And that's just our heart. We... I love pastors. And when you can bring pastors together, and it's not about them building relationships with us, it's about them building relationships with each other. And them uh, coming into unity, unity of faith. And so that's what's happening. Y'all are a part of all of that. And uh, man, we're just scratching the surface of what we're going to be doing in Europe in the, in the years ahead. Amen? Hey, real quick, after the service is over, Miss Laura is going to be back there at the table. And uh, if you missed the, um, the marriage seminar, we brand new book since I've seen you last. We put this out this summer. It's called The Path, A Great Marriage. It's not a destination. <clears throat> it's a path. There's no perfect marriage. I don't have one. You don't have one. Uh, I'm not going to go get that book. Somebody thinks something's wrong with my marriage. Newsflash, everybody knows something's wrong with your marriage. Ain't nobody in here who's got a perfect marriage, including me. But this book will help you stay on the path. And it's, it's fun, a lot of stories, a lot of analogies, 265 steps on the path. Some people read it in one sitting, and some people just read a step every day, like a devotional. And so those are back there. Make sure and sign up for the Daily Move. It's that little email that goes out all over the world every day. It's free. Now, we don't do sign-ups anymore. Laura got tired of praying in tongues to interpret your handwriting. Y'all, the body of Christ has caused us much grief over the last years with the, the daily move. I mean, just because of the handwriting and y'all's crazy emails and underscore and all this stuff y'all come up with. So you just take your phone, hit that QR code, takes 10 seconds to sign up. Tomorrow morning, your first one will hit. Amen? And they take about 10 seconds to read. You're not getting no blog. You're not getting a book. They're all about that long right there. And they're updates. But the last thing is these are real special to Laura and I. These are these bags and uh, we've sold thousands of these uh, over the years. Um, and I don't like that word sold because they're not sold. It's a seed. Amen. It's a seed into everything we're doing. The nations, the daily move, the path TV, over 50 churches a year. It's a seed into all of that. It's a hundred dollar seed into all of that. And inside the bag is that little flash drive. You know, a lot of you didn't get to go to Bible school like I did when I was young. Well, this is the Bible school. You just pop it into your computer, your Mac, or most people just pop it into your car now. 
your little USB port. You turn your car into a Bible school. But there's 16 series on that. Um, marriage and leadership and faith and healing and finances and uh, favor and kingdom. It's, it's just loaded. Uh, and so that's in there. And then you're good ground to sow into. So we put all three of our books in the bag. And so the move... Um, the build, which we just translated into Bulgarian. So when we do those retreats, we bless all the pastors with it. And so that book is spreading through Bulgaria right now. And then uh, the new book is in there, The Path. And so those are back there. And you can use your credit card, your debit card, whatever you want to do, cash credit, and it'll be a blessing. Amen? Hey, turning your Bible over to uh, Luke, the fifth chapter. Luke, the fifth chapter. Uh, we've got some kingdom business to take care of today. There's some uh, things we need to get in order. You know, I like my daddy. I always said, boy, you better get your ducks in a row. Come on. We, you know, we, we got to get some things in order. Uh, 2024 is just a month away. We got a month. We got a month. And how many of you want to finish out the year strong? I don't want to limp into 2024. You know, and, uh, and I'm telling you right now, you don't want to get your faith on 2024 and 2024. Right now is the time to get your faith on 2024. But it's one month away. And uh, we have a choice to make. We're either going to be focused on kingdom business or you're going to be distracted by the devil's business. It's one or the other. And I'm telling you, in 2024, the devil's going to be open for business. Two things can be true at the same time. Number one, 2024 can be an absolute mess, and I believe it will be. Politically, economically, I don't have to be a prophet to know that. It's an election year. I've traveled enough around the world. One of the devil's biggest go-to moves around the world is during an election year, he stirs up chaos. That's what he does. He turns a country into boiling water. You can't see clearly when the water's boiling. He boils the water in a nation. And you see chaos, you see drama, you see protests. All that's coming. It's all coming. Economically, things are coming. 2024 20, is going to be a mess. That can be true, but at the same time, what else can be true is it can be our greatest year yet. Spiritually, physically, financially, Pastor Greg, it can be our greatest year yet. It can be our greatest kingdom building year yet. It's going to be for Laura and I. It can be that way for CCAM. It can be that way for you. You say, but how can those two things, they can happen at the same time. Bible talks about this, where sin abounds, what? What, do you want to be on the sin side or the grace side? In other words, it can be your greatest year yet in spite of, I love those words, in spite of all the chaos in the world and in America and in the media, come on. It's already percolating. You can already see it percolating in this country. I've never been more excited about an upcoming year than 2024. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be our greatest kingdom building year yet. And before we leave today, that's what I want to pray over you. I want to pray that it's going to be your greatest year yet. Your greatest kingdom building year yet. I want to pray that over this church. But that's not going to happen by accident. You're not going to banana peel your way into that. 
You're going to make some decisions. You're going to make some choices. You're going to allow the Holy Ghost to adjust your rudder a little bit. You're going to have to get some things in order this last month of the year so you hit 2024 on all eight cylinders with your tank full of gas. Amen? Amen. Because what's going to happen is... Whatever the Lord is wanting to do, God, uh, the Satan is going to want to uh, really resist all of that. You know, he's into the re- he's a, he, he is the resistance movement. He wants to he wants he wants, he, he knows how to bring resistance to the church and to your life, and he wants to resist. But there's something about God who's able to overwhelm all that resistance, and that's the word for today. Turn to somebody, say overwhelm. God can overwhelm everything Satan is doing. That's where that where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Overwhelm. He wants to overwhelm you. He wants to overwhelm this church. He's going to overwhelm Laura and I in 2024. You see, overwhelm us with what? Well, how about overwhelm us with uh, how about overwhelm us with souls? Is that all right with y'all? How about with the glory of God? How about with miracles? How about overwhelm us with blessings? How about overwhelm you with favor? How about overwhelm you with, with, with healing and health? Come on. Overwhelm you with everything you need to do, everything God's called you to do. Anybody uh, wouldn't mind being overwhelmed with peace? And in 2024, sleeping better than you've ever slept in your life? He wa- do y'all know Jesus is in the overwhelming business? Can I, can, I, can, I, can I beg you never to do anything? Never pray and ask God for enough. He doesn't do enough. He's not the God of enough. He's the God of more than. He's El Shaddai. Do you know God's never done anything enough? He gave us more earth than we need, more sky than we need, more water than we need, more oil than we need, more natural gas than we need. Come on, he's never done anything enough. Everything he does is more than enough. Do you know everything Jesus did at Calvary? It, didn't, it, it wasn't enough. It was more than enough. Stop praying enough. Start praying more than enough. Because the heart of the Father is to overwhelm you. And he wants to overwhelm CCAM in 2024. But you got to reach out with your faith and receive it. Amen? So Luke, the fifth chapter, take a look at this. Luke, the fifth chapter. I'm not going to read all of it. I want to read enough of it to you so you, you, get the, you, you get where we're going. Verse 1 says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to wor- hear the word of God, he stood by this lake, Gennesaret. He sees two ships standing by. Fishermen were gone out of them. They were washing their nets early in the morning. They'd been fishing all night. He gets in the ships, which was Simon's, Peter, said, hey, Peter, thrust out a little bit. And he sat down and he begins to teach the people. He's teaching the people. God, uh, come on, the world's first microphone. Come on, sound travels good over water. Smart. Now, when he had left speaking, he says unto Simon, Peter, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a drought. And Peter, how many know Peter always got something to say? always got something to say. <laughs> Jesus, we've been fishing all night, ain't caught nothing. That's what he said. But, you know, nevertheless, okay, nevertheless, I'll let down the nets. 
And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. Now watch this. And the nets broke. And they beckoned under their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships, and the ships began to sink. Are y'all getting this picture? Is Jesus enough, or is he more than enough? They caught so many fish that the nets were overwhelmed. Come on. The ships were overwhelmed. Put that image up. I like that image. Put that image up that I made. Here's what was really overwhelmed, their imagination. Boys had lived their whole life on that lake. They ain't never seen that many fish in their life. How many times do you think they had been out on that lake, caught nothing? Caught one, caught five, caught ten, caught fifteen, caught twenty. On a good night, caught a hundred. And now they've caught so many fish that the nets have broke. And come on, and two ships come about to sink. Jesus is, he is overwhelming. And his heart is overwhelming. And he wants to overwhelm you. Spiritually, physically, financially. He wants to overwhelm this church. It's his heart. It's his heart. But, say, Brother Philip, I, 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 am, I am not uh, experiencing an overwhelming Jesus right now. You know, most people aren't. Because first of all, they don't know that's who he is. And then second of all, a lot of times we don't reach out in our faith to receive it. But the, another reason is right here in verse 4. Look at here. It says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. Where did he say to launch out? Where did he say to launch out? Are you going to find an overwhelming Jesus in the shallow waters? Ooh, come on now. Let's just, let's just, let's park there for a second. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't discover that Jesus in the shallow. You only discover that Jesus out in the deep. He said launch out into the, well, I want to launch out to where I want to launch out. Well, that's okay, but that's not where the, the fish are. Right? You got to go where he tells you to. Now listen, that word deep is, is special to me. That word is connected to my favorite scripture, Psalms 42, 7. Deep calleth unto deep. That book out there in the bag, the move, the very bottom, it says from the shallows into the deep. That word means a lot to me. One of the reasons, because it's made life real simple for me. Because for me... You're either deep or you're shallow. Come on. Uh, how about this? You're either a parrot or an eagle. I don't want to be no stinking parrot. I want to be an eagle. I don't want to be smoke. I want to be fire. I don't want to be ordinary. I want to be extraordinary. I don't want to be the mission field. I want to be the missionary. I don't want to be ordinary. I want to be extraordinary. Come on, I don't want to be religion, I want to be relationship. I don't want to be a captive. I want to be a deliverer. You see how simple things get? Either you're this or you're that. So let's circle back around. You're either shallow or you're deep. Trust me, we have enough shallow believers. And we got enough shallow churches. Last thing America needs right now is another shallow church. And if you're a shallow believer, you'll never know an overwhelming Jesus. You'll be praying about your needs the rest of your life. 
You'll be praying and asking God for enough for the rest of your life. Because you only, that's what you get in the shallows. I don't want to be shallow. I think that might, have, that might be one of the worst. Uh, you could probably, you could say, tell me I'm ugly. You could tell me I can't preach good. You could, I mean, you could tell me a lot of stuff, but I mean, don't hurt my feelings and call me shallow. I couldn't, I don't, ugh, that would be tough to, tough for me. But going back to Psalms 42, 7, deep calleth unto deep. When y'all read something, do you ever wonder kind of, when you're reading a book, do you want to know something about the author before you read the book? Are y'all like me? First thing I'm going to read is about the author. I want to know, who is you? Come on. Why did you write what you write, wrote? What, what's your story? So when you read deep calleth unto deep, who wrote that? Well, you know, it's Psalms 42, and most people, they think, and they, they think, well, you know, David wrote most of the Psalms, and, and he did. He, he wrote most of them, but he didn't write Psalms 42. He didn't write the words, deep calleth unto deep. You look at the top of the chapter, um, it says, the sons of Korah. Who I looked at that one day, and I was like, who? The sons of Korah. I know that name Korah. You know, that's a Bible story. What were the sons of Korah? So I started looking into that. Uh, will will y'all let Uncle Philip tell you a Bible story real quick? Is that all right? <laughs> and uh, in number 16, you know, they're out in the wilderness. You got the tabernacle. You got Moses. You got Aaron. You got the, you got the Levites. You got the priests. You, you, you know, you've got all that. Pillar fire. You know, you, you got all that. They're out there in the wilderness. And uh, there was these three families, and they were Levites, but uh, they weren't priests. They were Levites, and they were like the janitors. They were like the custodians. When the tabernacle would move, they would have to be the ones to move it. And so you, they were they grunt work. They were grunt work, and they had to follow all these rules, and they had to move it a certain way. And and so Joel, they they man, they they had a tough job, and they got tired of their job. They were like, why do we have to do all this? We want to be priests. Why can't we be like Aaron? You know, they, they, they got grouchy. They got, and so they, they challenged God, challenged Moses, and Moses just said, well, let's just settle this. Let's all show up tomorrow, and uh, y'all speak your peace, I'll speak my peace, and then we'll, we'll let God speak his peace. Are y'all with me? So the next day, everybody shows up, and uh, these three families are there, but, you know, they're going to stack the deck. And so they brought 250 men of renown with them, and they're all holding these brass scepters. Power play. Power play. Going to team up, right? And so they spoke their piece. We don't think this is fair. Moses spoke his piece. Now it's God's turn. God had something to say. Y'all want to know what he said? He opened up the earth underneath those three families, swallowed those three families up, and if that wasn't bad enough, the earth closed up over them. And then fire came down out of heaven, and 250 men of renown were turned into 250 piles of ash. Rebellion was over. Over. See, Brother Phil, that is a horrible story. Oh, why are you telling us that story? Thought we were talking about an overwhelming Jesus. Just trust me, I'm getting there. Standing over on the side were Korah's three sons. I don't know why they weren't standing with the family, but they weren't there. 
These three boys are standing over here on the side. Can you imagine what it was like for them? What would it do to three boys to see their mom and dad swallowed up by the earth? Can you imagine that trauma? I'm going to turn to somebody and say trauma. Can you imagine that trauma? You see the earth open up, swallow your family, and then the earth closes up over them. What would that do to most people? What would that do to most uh, 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 kids? What would that do to those boys? What would it do to most boys? That kind of a traumatic experience. I think most people would, uh, they wouldn't run to God, they'd run away from God. I think most people would walk away from a situation like that and hate God for the rest of their life. They would hate Moses for the rest of their life. They would hate Aaron in the priesthood for the rest of their life. They would hate the tabernacle for the rest of their life. Come on, they would be bitter for the rest of their life. They would spend the rest of their life licking their wounds. And every time you squeezed them, what would come out? The trauma. The emotion. Y'all with me? And then what happens with trauma is you pass that down to the next generation. You say, how is that? They did an experiment where they took these fleas, they took these fleas, and uh, they put them in a jar with a, with a top on it. And you know, a, a flea can jump three to four feet. And they put them in a jar, and then fleas are, these fleas are jumping, fleas are jumping, fleas are jumping. But after a while, they took the top off the jar, and the fleas couldn't jump out of the jar. Why? Because of the trauma from hitting the lid. Are y'all with me? But they left them in there a while and the fleas have babies. And guess, what the, guess what the babies couldn't do? They couldn't jump out of the jar. Your trauma isn't, isn't just impacting you, it's impacting... Come on, that trauma, not only is it keeping you in the jar, but it'll keep the next generation in the... But none of that happened. The sons of Korah, they didn't run away from God. They ran to God. They didn't run away from the priesthood. They ran to the priesthood. They didn't run away from the tabernacle. They ran to the tabernacle. The sons of Korah became the custodians, the janitors of the tabernacle for generations to come. Seven generations would go by and they would become some of David's mighty men. Seven generations would go by and one of the, one of the, gen, one of the young men that came out of the sons of Korah was Samuel the prophet. And out of all the book of Psalms, 11 of those Psalms were written by the sons of Korah. They, they became musicians. They wrote music. They, they, they didn't run from God. They ran to God. They overcame the trauma. And they're the ones that wrote, Deep calleth unto deep. They're the ones that wrote that song, As the deer panteth for the water. Here in just a little bit, we're going we're, we're, we're to gather together because remember, I want to pray over you. I want to pray that 2024 is going to be your greatest year yet. But I want us to come together and I want us, I want us to sing that song together. Because it'll mean more to you now than it ever has because now you know who wrote it. Those boys escaped the trauma and went deep. And over, come on, 3,000 years later, we're still talking about them? There's something about trauma 
that anchors you in the shallow waters. And there you just live a life of enough. You live in a puddle. That's what, tra that's what trauma will do to you. But can I, can I just, can I just let, let me just say this. You know, there's people in here, there's people in every church, they've never really experienced any real trauma. But yet they're still living in the puddle. I'm asking you questions I don't want an answer to. It's really none of my business. It's when you... Why, why are they in the puddle? You can kind of understand why someone who's experienced trauma is anchored into the puddle, but why, is, why are the other people still in the puddle? Is that a fair question? Is that familiarity with the things of God? Is that what being lukewarm is all about? Is that just rebellion? What is that? I think that's a fair question. It's a fair question. So 2024 is almost here. We're a month away. If you want an overwhelming Jesus to come into your life, we've got to go, we got to go deep. So there's three things here. Number one is we got to get all this trauma under the blood. Amen? Amen. We got to get all this trauma under the blood. How do, how do we do that? Well, Brother Philip, you don't understand what I've been through. I get that. I get that. But we've all been through something. But I don't think anybody's had the earth open up under their mom and dad and swallow them up. How do we get that trauma under the blood of Jesus? I'm going to tell you what, it all hinges on one scripture, John 10.10. 10. John 10.10 10 tells us this, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have as, here it is. As long as you think God had something to do with your trauma, you'll never be totally free from it. That's where a lot of people are. Well, you know, I just think God allowed that, you know, because to teach me something or, you know, for the, I just think God allowed, I just think God permitted, I just think God was by, you know, he works in mysterious ways, and uh, hogwash. It's all religious garbage. What does the word say? Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came that we might have life and life overwhelming. You know how ooh, every one of you have been blamed for something that wasn't your fault in your life. You have lost did. How do you think God feels? He gets blamed for stuff all over the world that ain't his fault. There is stuff the devil does and God gets blamed for it. Listen, I was at a funeral one time. And uh, Pastor Greg, uh, a plane went down. And uh, the, some of the staff members of this church were killed. All right? And a couple of them survived. So I'm at the funeral. Some of the biggest names in... Christianity were there. And this guy stood up, Serena, and this is what he said. This is what he said. He goes, well, you know, God picks uh, the most beautiful flowers for his garden. Make me want to throw up in my mouth. Mm. 
Here's when you get rid of your trauma, is when you know what Satan meant for evil, God will turn it for the good. God's good at turning dirty water into wine. Come on, anything the devil has done, God can turn it around. He can turn something that was meant for your destruction into something for His glory. And when you get that revelation and you understand that, whoa, you can, you can, you can get that trauma under the blood. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. Here's what's going to happen today. He can turn your wound into a scar. Some of you have wounds going back to COVID. Some of you got some wounds going back to your teenage years. You got some wounds and you've been licking them your whole life. And you love talking about them. We can turn that thing into a scar. I love my scars. I have some. I got some scars. I love my scars. They're, they're, they're my testimony. I show them to people and I say, hey, if God did this for me, God can do it for. What was the first thing Jesus showed the disciples after he was resurrected? Jesus loves his scars too. Why? Because what Satan meant for evil, God turned it for the... Second thing is, um, well, you got to go deep. Is that right? But see, what does that mean? It's, 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 a little, it's, a, it's a little vague. Well, you know, there's some low-hanging fruit there. We could say, well, we need to go into the Word deeper than ever before. Yeah, that's good. We need, to, we need to spend more time in prayer, more time in worship than ever before. Yeah, that's good. Hey, ultimately, we need to go where God tells... If God tells you to go this way, which way is the deep? If God tells you to go this way, which way is the deep? Okay, that's all easy. But let me just give you one prayer that'll take care of it all. Somebody needs to say you're welcome. Come on now. <laughs> One little prayer. You begin, it's supernatural. If you'll begin to pray this prayer every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, the Holy Ghost will get involved in your life and begin to take you into deeper waters where you'll meet an overwhelming Jesus. It's real simple. You don't have to write it down. You'll remember it for the rest of your life. Father, I want to be who you've called me to be. I want to do what you've called me to do. I want to go where you've called me to go. I've been praying that prayer since I was 14 years old, 13 years old. When you pray that prayer, something supernatural happens. Holy Ghost gets involved in your life and begins to adjust your rudder and begins to move you. And where is he moving you? Into the deep. And the third thing is this. You got to reach out with your faith and receive it. And I've been thinking about this here lately. Everywhere you look now, there's Godzilla. Y'all notice that? You've been noticing Godzilla's everywhere. They got a Godzilla movie coming out. You got a Godzilla TV show coming out. There's Godzilla everywhere. I mean, I never, you know, I never thought Godzilla would be as big as Godzilla is. But every time, every time I see Godzilla, I always laugh at Godzilla because he's got them little arms. You know what I mean? Jurassic Park, you know, you got them. You got that. That's the way most people's faith is. They're reaching out with their little Godzilla arms. And that's why they're not receiving everything God has for them. It's like healing. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching right now and people are reaching out with their little Godzilla arms and trying to... Just like, oh, just trying to mm, mm. You're going to have to reach out with something more than your Godzilla arms today. You're going to have to what? Fully... 
You're going to have to reach out with the fullness of your faith. What's your, what's your faith if it's, what's your faith going to grab if, if all you've got is this? We got to reach out and receive. Three things. We got to, we got to get this trauma under the blood. Got to go deep. You got to reach out and receive it. Come on, stand to your feet. Play, man. Come up here and play. Somebody come move this pulpit. Let me tell you a story.